0: 975 at 1280 the zone. We're brought to you apart by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. It's time to bring in Tim Lacomb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Tim, good morning.
1: Good morning. I was in the bullpen, just you know, getting my stretch in, knowing I had about a half an hour before I had to pitch, got that call from Skip, <laughs> and uh, I just sped up real quick, got to, got a little limber. And I'm you're, here.
2: You're at Fenway, too? No. Yeah. I wish I was at Fenway, man.
1: Yeah. But, no, but. Uh, that would have been a, a a long night trying to get to Fenway from <laughs> Vivint. I walked out of Vivint last night at 1 o'clock, so, um, yeah, that would have been a, a little bit of a long long haul.
0: You're a good teammate. Way to step in.
1: Ah, hey, it's what we do for one another. You <laughs> care about guys like I care about you, you
0: know.
1: So, and I'm talking you, not PK.
0: Oh wow, could have gone with the plural there. You just could have let that ride either the way. Plurals use. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Use guys. You thank, known. thank you, New York. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, PK put up on Facebook. It is the the question of the day. What friggin' more could you want in that Game 1 win? Now, you're in the arena. Even if you're in the radio studio, you can feel slash hear the arena rocking and the cheering if something happens. Even if you're, the broadcast is you know a little bit of delay just for technology to get the picture to you, just a few seconds... Uh, you know the shot went in before you see the shot go in. So you're feeling the passion regardless of whether you go inside the arena or you stay in the radio studio. So you got all that. You got all your basketball knowledge as a former BYU assistant coach and Rick Majerus's staff. What friggin' more could you have wanted in that game one win from either perspective?
1: No, it was such a good game. Um, you know, I think that the, the thing that I've learned more than anything in this last couple of weeks is, you know, this game is an awesome game. Um, just as it is, but the fans bring so much to it. And uh, I really, as I watched games um, on the weekend, as I watched uh, Phoenix uh, at home in their first game against Denver, and just the response, the joy, kind of that wall of sound that we've forgotten, you know, what it sounds like, what it feels like, it's just amazing. So I'm with you. I think the game itself was... I mean, it really was. It was a well-played game. Both teams really played hard. Um, You know, both teams had their ups and downs. Um, Find it interesting that, you know, a team like the Jazz could be held to 18 points in a quarter um, and then flip around to a team like, you know, both teams very good offensively, but also very good in their own right defensively. And so both parts of each team kind of got to flex their muscle and, Uh, At the end of the day, I really think Donovan Mitchell was a differentiator. There were a lot of different guys that helped continue to move the thing along, but we saw a superhuman effort last night from Donovan, and it's becoming way less, uh, you know, surprising. Uh, It's almost more now, like when he shoots those deep ones, they're going in, and um, you know that's that's what's really fun is we've got a absolutely budding superstar. That we've known about for a while, but I, you know, I think he came onto the scene nationally in the bubble. But I still think he's got people that you know impress. And this is the way this is the way you do it. You just go out and, and handle your business.
2: Yeah, I disagree with you in that he's a budding superstar. He is there. He's already there. This guy has the ability to rise up in the biggest occasions and take advantage of them. And to the thing that I loved is the momentum clearly needed to be changed in the third quarter, and he said, Fellas, I am changing the momentum. I think that was the ultimate difference. As the start of the d- third quarter, Donovan Mitchell taking care of that and making it a one-possession game pretty much all the way. I know they got a little 10-point lead there, but I thought his play in the third quarter was the absolute difference in the game.
1: I did too. And it wasn't so much just that he made shots. It was, it was, he came out and played you know, Quinn talks all the time about playing with force. And the one thing I felt like in the first half is the jazz, you know, while they got a lot of threes off, they weren't great threes. I mean, there were some that were wide open, um, down the barrel, but a lot of dribble into a lot of no pass, just not, not typically what you see from a jazz team. Um, and I talked about, in the pregame, I think how important it's going to be against a switching defense to still be able to drive and get a piece of the paint. Um, I thought Donovan started all that. Um, you know, he made some tough ones, but he also got deep. The one thing the Clippers do not have, you know, it, they can switch all that stuff. But at the end of the day, there isn't a, a great shot blocker coming from the weak side. Um, you know, like a Capella for during the Houston series a couple of years ago. Um, so I think that that's the that's that's part of the game plan. The Jazz want to continue to drive the ball, get a piece of the paint, uh, make sure that Rudy's utilized on the roll, and then everything kind of everything opens up. But make no mistake about it, I, I, I concur a hundred percent. I thought Donovan changed the tone of the game with his aggressiveness.
0: So you're working on well, I don't know what the number is, maybe borderline a hundred possessions in an NBA game, right? Certainly eighty or ninety or whatever. And so you win by three points, a couple of possessions. And P.K. in the last break was just talking about Donovan rattling in two threes early in the game. There's so many little things that can flip a game one way or another. But when you win, we always hear coaches talk about how you can coach them harder now. So put yourself in Quinn's shoes. And what would you be bringing up with the team to prep them for game two, knowing how tight game one was?
1: Well, what what I found interesting is I actually think that the preparation was done prior. Um, You know, in that Memphis series early on, uh, the Jazz did not rebound the ball well. I thought that they were maybe, you know, I guess no maybe about it. Memphis in the beginning of that series was the aggressor. They were the first ones to lose balls. They made plays, uh, you know, hustle plays. That was the Jazz last night. Um, I feel like what kept that game... Two thirteen points, even with twenty straight misses, um, was the Jazz. uh, They were the first ones on the floor. They were diving out of bounds. They were saving balls, you know, teammates, and there were so many plays that stand out. But I thought Royce O'Neal in the first part of the game just doing his job, right, going to the offensive glass with reckless abandon. Two fouls on Kawhi and. Kawhi gets two fouls early like that, has to sit, and when he does come back, you know, just a little bit less aggressive. Those are the little things. It's the little body shots, I guess, if you liken it to boxing. Um, you know, the way Bojan anticipated and ran through the outlet pass uh, and was able to steal that thing and go to the corner and bang that free, you know, huge momentum play. Um, Rudy keeping balls alive, you know, George Niang, I remember him diving on the floor for a loose ball. So just those types of things are the things I'd dwell on if I were Quinn. Like, hey, this game did not go perfect. Um, A lot of it is stuff we can fix and did address at halftime and played better offensively in the second half. But I had no issue with the way the Jazz guarded. I thought they were totally engaged. And you talk about the swings and the fact that it ends up a three-point game. Um, You know, Rudy sealed it with that block at the end. But if you go back and look, the Jazz really did, just by hustling, being tough, they really did get a bunch of points on their side because of that attitude.
2: So put yourself in the position of Ty Lu and the Clippers. Uh, you gather today and you work on stuff. What are you looking for? What is your message to them? As you re- If you were Ty Lu you review the film, and then as you present that to the players, what would it be?
1: You know, they probably... Coming out of a game like that, um, feel a little bit shell shocked. That's another. I mean, it was Luka Doncic type numbers, you know, that he put on them multiple times during that Dallas series. Um, One thing Ty Lue's been great at uh, is making adjustments. I think you know the way that he adjusted his lineup in that first series, you know, on the fly after two losses was pretty impressive. Uh, I still think that. There's going to be a place in this series for Pat Beverly on the Clippers side because of what Donovan did last night. Um, you know, Pat's a guy who really prides himself on on sticking to somebody, becoming a nuisance. So whatever the plan is for game two, it's going to have a lot to do with Donovan. You, um, you may see on a high pick and roll maybe some traps to get the ball out of his hand, much like you saw with, with Curry. Um, but I think that's probably the place I'd go if I were Ty because – You can watch all the film. You can see all the stuff I talked about, but it was what you said, PK. You're right. It's not budding superstar. It's a superstar that is really having his way in the playoffs and has really ramped it up even to another level, and that's what the special ones do. So I would imagine that's where that plan and, and any kind of tweak to the game plan has to come in.
0: I'm sure we all get asked, you know, what worries about the Clippers? What do the Jazz have to watch out for? And Stars have such an outside outsized impact in the NBA playoffs. In the last series, Kawhi Leonard averaged 32 points on 62% shooting, 43% from three, 90 at the line. He's averaging eight boards and four and a half assists for the entire series. I mean, it was outrageously fantastic. Just put the cape on and carry the team for seven games offensively not surprising, he had 23 points and 7 boards. I mean, those are still good numbers, but they're not the mega numbers he had in the last series. And obviously the Jazz are a better series and a better defensive team than Dallas by a wide margin. Should we expect Kawhi Leonard to put up massive numbers as the series goes on? Do you expect the Jazz to slow him down and just make him merely very good instead of, you know, immortal? What do you expect in there?
1: Well, I, I think Kawhi's capable of having, you know, like Donovan, a superstar game, regardless of what your plan is on him. Uh, I think we saw that in the Dallas series. He, he, at game six, he just made ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. And the one thing that, that is different, and I know that Dallas had Bobon in the middle, but <laughs> Bobon doesn't necessarily carry the same weight as, as Rudy. Um Rudy does change Kawhi's game a little bit. The, the three-and-a-half-foot, four-footers um, become, you know, ten-footers, and he just does not get as deep. There were multiple times where he and George, uh, in transition or, you know, a ball screen or just on a drive-turned corner, saw Gobert and retreated. And so I think there's an area of the floor that – Is Rudy's area, and that's going to be kind of the battle for Kawhi to see how deep he can get, what what he can do. The one thing I wouldn't put it past him is he'll he will have some good games, some really good games. I think this was this was a good game. I think he's going to have better games. Um, You know, fatigue's got to be a little bit of an issue. I I thought when you know, as I looked at this Clippers team, when you load manage the way they do, um, I think the the game every other day scenario in this series really favors the Jazz, because even though, you know, in effect he's rested or, you know, this is what he's been waiting for, I still think there's that rhythm, Um, and when you're, you know, so that's the piece that I think is going to be interesting is from a a high level, but Kawhi, he's a phenomenal player, I mean, you got to put him up there with, you know, you talk about the greats in the game today, I think he's there, um, He's definitely kind of found himself in that Dallas series, and this team started playing with a better purpose. Um, but yeah, he, he is affected. He and PG are affected big time by by Rudy, and it's, it's stark com- a contrast to what they were able to do in the Dallas series, where they really kind of got to the rim at will. Um, and how about Fave's bowing his neck last night and stepping up and, and uh, making a huge impact in the third quarter? So. The, the bigs for the Jazz were great last night.
2: So we're having a discussion about Paul George and the crowd chanting overrated. And my radio partner thinks that, well, maybe you're poking the bear, or a waking a sleeping giant. My thought is that if Paul George is worried about that, that's going to compound his shooting woes and all that stuff. Although, obviously, when they were chanting that into DJ's uh, assertion that he played really well in the last few minutes and was uh, great. But as far as worrying about that stuff, getting into someone's head and all that stuff, where do you come down on?
1: Well, it's interesting that you ask that question because I've got a couple of neighbors. Uh, every day, I pull out, you know, in my driveway, and they're standing in the street yelling overrated at me. Well, I thought uh, that was your wife. Well, she is too. But that's
0: from the house. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Well, yeah,
2: but see, <laughs> he, earlier in the show, when he was just talking about you, and he purposely came after me. Uh-huh. Don't poke the bear. I <laughs> agreed. Agreed. You're making my point for me. How can I do anything but agree at this
0: point?
1: That was so good. <laughs> right. Absolutely walked right into it. Good job, PK. That was awesome. Um, no, I, I, I mean, how are you going to change, you know, what happens and what's said is what happens, what's said. That, I, I do true story. appreciate the fact that it's, you know, even though it's uh, a slight, it's respectful. It's not a... It's, you know, the fact that you're chanting overrated means you know, there's people somewhere that think this guy's really good. We just don't. Um, I. I don't know. I think... You know, you could spend a whole show talking about the mental uh, makeup and fortitude of of Playoff P. Just the fact that somebody gives themselves a nickname. What would you? What would your nickname be for you guys? You guys thought that thought that through. If you were just self-proclaimed,
2: my nickname? Yeah,
0: (laughs) obviously the horse (laughs) (laughs) walked into that. And, and quick! How about the quickness, Jim? didn't even No, not at all.
1: You know what, Ma, Jim was—that that translated was the horse. So you and Ma have something in common.
2: Don't Tell shoot, you, Ma. The
1: fact that Majerus hated you
2: both. <laughs> he broke broke the backboard at San Diego. He had to have like a half-hour delay because in warm-ups he cracked the glass, <laughs> and it was Peterson. Jim was mounted to the
0: wall. Uh, no anyway, I was a... wait before we leave, I have to say that I was not at the practice where this happened, but I have been told about it many times. And getting Ma proper on the spot. You know where I'm going here? Getting Ma properly oriented towards the defensive basket, I can't really tell the quote on the air because it's wrong on multiple levels.
1: Yeah, I don't even think I'm going to try.
0: Yeah, to okay, I understand. Yeah. You know uh, where I'm going, though. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, there were so many things, and yeah. I blocked some of it out. <laughs> I'm actually going therapy for some of it. Okay. So it, there's recesses that, but I, I would imagine I have a pretty good idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. Was there a point to this before we got to that? You were going to make a point, and then I demanded. Oh we no! Talk just, about playoff that. Play P game and whole... save and nickname, and the whole
2: idea yeah, just, of getting in his head.
1: Just getting in his head, and I think I think he opens the the door for that by the self-proclaimed nickname. So, if I'm the judge, I would say uh, continue, do whatever you want, uh, impact the game. Because I'm telling you this, the 18,106 that were there, they made an impact on the game. You could feel it. Yeah, the players all mentioned it and uh, it was special it was a special night in
0: zone I do think though that and and actually it was Jeff Hornacek who said this but uh, w- watching games after he said it I I could really see what he was talking about where the crowd really works I don't think the crowd is nearly as good at beating down the visitors Azar is pumping up the home team. Absolutely. The, the home no, right. team, when they're struggling a little bit for confidence, when they're fatigued late in the game and they need a big stop, that energy, man, it's just it's like riding a wave.
1: Yeah, and you saw after big shots, you know, like Boyan, that dagger, he hit over Cunard, um, as Lockwood would say, right in Luke Kennard's face. <laughs> um, he just, you know, he turned and walked toward half court. And just, you know, like, he soaked that energy in, and that's, that's a great point. I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the home crowd can be a real uh, positive thing for the, for the visiting team, but it's what it does to the, the home team, and there's no doubt that they made an impact last night. They're part of that three-point uh, differential. You know, they, they were definitely worth, I would say, worth a couple points.
0: Tim, we appreciate the time. Thanks for warming up in the pen in a hurry.
1: You bet. I just had to get to the pitches quicker. There you go. Yach had me on a stopwatch and we did good.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks. All right. And we will have Joe Ingles coming up next. DJ and PK, The Warehouse, bringing you DJ and PK. Join hands and Scotty G Friday at The Warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom.